0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Fenway Park in Boston. It's the Red Sox 8, the Cleveland Indians 5. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And hey, uh, thanks again to everybody who left a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We got one more... One more before the contest ended. Everybody who did is going to be getting a uh, a free t-shirt from Cleveland Baseball Mornings. I'm going to be sending those out this weekend. But we did get one more that snuck in before the contest ended. I'm guessing this is from Andrew41 on Apple Podcasts. He said, great pod to start the day off. Great recap with easy-to-digest stats that are very relevant, just the right length. If you're a Tribe fan, it's worth the listen. Andrew, thank you so much, but you got to get in touch with me somehow and let me know who you are so I can send you a t-shirt. So hit me up, uh, ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com or DM me at Barris on Twitter. So, Andrew, thank you for the five-star review, and if you want that free t-shirt, hit me up, let me know. All right, let's get into the storylines of this game. And uh, this one, this one was a home run derby. That's what this one was. Uh, Both teams were absolutely slugging two home runs for the Indians on this one and four home runs for the Boston Red Sox in their home park, not to mention three doubles for the Red Sox and uh, only one double for the Indians. Basically, it was Jose Ramirez. It It was Jose Ramirez bringing the offense and the bottom of the lineup and the bottom of the lineup. We'll get to the Indians' offense. First, got to talk about these home runs, and we got to talk about the pitching matchup because Quantrill and Evaldi went at it back on August 28th. So these two pitchers are very familiar with these two teams. Uh, These teams are very familiar with these pitchers, and it showed because there were moments where the pitchers really locked in and took over a decent amount of strikeouts on both sides. But then there were also moments they gave up a lot of hard-hit balls. So, uh, it was an interesting battle between the two starters. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it falls apart for the Indians in the seventh inning. This is actually, I mean, by the top of the sub, by the seventh inning stretch, while everyone in Boston is singing, take me out to the ball game. It's a ball game. It's a 3-3 tie in the middle of the seventh inning, and things just fall apart for the Indians in the bottom of the seventh here. So, First, let's look at this pitching matchup here. Uh, Quantrill, the last time that he faced the Red Sox, took a no decision, went seven innings, six hits, two runs, only one earned. Only one home run given up that time, two walks, and six strikeouts. A pretty good start, even though it's a no decision. Uh, Then, in this start, it's six innings pitched, so he goes an inning less Gives up seven hits in this one. Gives up five runs, three home runs in this one, two walks, and six strikeouts. So, everything is there. It's just they got them. They got them for two more home runs and uh, one more hit. And that would be the difference between a no decision on the 28th and taking the loss in this one. Uh, yeah, now the Indians would lose that game on the twenty eighth, five to three, but neither starter would uh, figure into the decision. For Evaldi, he only went five and a third in that one. He gave up six hits, only two runs. He did give up a home run, no walks, and seven strikeouts. In this one, he goes a little deeper into the game, also takes a no decision, goes six and a third in this one, six hits again. Three runs this time, two home runs this time, two walks, and nine strikeouts. So we do get a few extra things off Evaldi. We get two two walks, we get two home runs off him, but he cranks up a few more strikeouts in that extra inning, gets up to nine strikeouts. So that was the difference between the two starts, uh, this same matchup that we saw on August 28th. Now, let's get into these home runs because they are clearly the deciding factor. Every run scored before the seventh inning stretch is scored via the home run. And uh, the first one would go to Kyle Schwarber. Leading off the game, uh, Kyle Schwarber would get Cal Quantrill. And it's a situation where he fouls off a sinker in but around the belt. And then hangs a curveball. I don't think he wanted a curveball in this position here. It's right at the belt. It's pretty much right down the pipe. And uh, Schwarber turns on this thing. A great home run hitter, as we very well know. Hits this thing 106.8 miles per hour out to right center field. And uh, yeah, 428 feet. He just smokes a hanging curveball. And that is probably not the location that Austin Hedges was calling for that pitch. I think Quantrill got caught there with a breaking ball early and, uh, yeah, paid the price. The next home run would come in the second inning. Kevin Plowecki, former Indians backup catcher, Kevin Ploiecki. Uh, This one, I actually give credit, all the credit to Ploiecki. I don't think this is a bad pitch by Quantrill at all. He's working them outside. He actually drops a curveball in for strike one. Uh, that is definitely a get-me-over curveball, start the at-bat with something not the hard stuff kind of curveball. Misses with two sliders away. So he's clearly trying to work him away. And uh, now that he's got him maybe leading out over the plate a little bit, he tries to run a hard sinker or two-seamer. I think with Quantrill it's more a two-seamer inside on him and he just gets enough of the plate that uh, Ploiecki is able to have fast hands. He was not leaning out over the plate. You would think with two sliders away, with three breaking balls away, basically, he would be leaning away, but no, he is balanced, he is ready, and he hits this 107.2 miles per hour, a 390-foot line drive over the green monster in the left-field corner. So uh, whatever you know, Quantrill was trying to do to Plovecki here, it did not work at all. You gotta give the hitter credit on that one. Right? You gotta give the hitter credit. Uh I think that's a just a really good at-bat from uh uh from uh Ploiecki there to not be off balance to really be settled there. Uh Quantrill before we get to Jose Ramirez's home run, because Jose Ramirez would have a home run, I believe this is in the fourth inning. Uh, Quantrill would get into some trouble in the third, and this is, I gotta be honest, this is vintage Shane Bieber right here to work out of this mess in the bottom of the third inning. Uh, He strikes out Kyle Schwarber to start the inning, so he gets a little revenge against Schwarber to start the inning. Uh, Devers singles then. J.D. Martinez singles to left field. Devers goes to third. They walk for Dugo, and it loads the bases. Now, this is vintage Shane Bieber. How many times have we seen Bieber get into a situation in maybe the fourth, the fifth inning? And it usually takes him out of the game, right? He wastes a lot of pitches to get out of these innings. But how many times have we seen him get into serious trouble like this and work his way out of it? Well, that's exactly what Quantrill does here. He strikes out Hunter Renfro, and he gets Ploiecki to ground out to third base to end the threat. So, a great job of working out of trouble By uh, Cal Quantrill here. And then Jose Ramirez would come up to lead off the game in the fourth inning. And this is some vintage Jose Ramirez right here. Now, in the first inning, he doubled off the monster. And he did it on a cutter that was up and away. A cutter that was actually off the outside edge of the plate. He stuck with it, went opposite field. Who knows? In Cleveland, that might have been a home run. You know, 19-foot wall versus a 30-something-foot wall in Boston? Maybe in Cleveland that one sneaks out. But here in Boston in the first inning, it goes off the wall for a double. Now, that was a cutter, a cutter away. Now, Ivaldi is pounding him inside, throws him a two fastballs inside. One he lays off for ball one. The other one he fouls off, throws him a splitter down in the dirt that he lays off. So he's falling behind a little bit decides to go with a cutter instead of a forcing fastball. And instead of throwing this one to the outside edge, he throws this one right down the pipe at the belt, just right of center. And Jose Ramirez turns on this one, 101.7 miles per hour, 397 feet to the seats in right center field. 30-second home run on the season for Jose Ramirez. And Jose Ramirez is keeping us in this game. It's a two-to-one game right now. So that's huge from Jose Ramirez. However, Boston would answer back. Uh, Aruz would come up in the bottom of the fourth inning with two outs. He would get the next solo home run in this game. This one feels like a mistake pitch. He is working Aruz down in a way. He throws him a sinker for a called strike right on the bottom corner, right on the edge, paints a called strike there with his sinker. The slider he misses with, tries a backdoor slider and misses with it, leaves it a little outside, throws him a changeup down in the dirt that he lays off. Now he's down in the count to one, throws him another sinker. This one is middle and up at the letters, and Aruz turns on it, 102.6 miles per hour, 412 feet. Man, these home runs are getting smoked. These are no doubt about his shots to right center field as well. I think Schwarbers and Ramirez and is all clear the bullpen out there and make it into the seats. So uh, some big, big home runs being hit out to right center field in this game. So they answer right back. And uh, the Indians once again are looking at a two-run deficit until Bobby Bradley and Austin Hedges make them pay. They come up in the seventh inning now. So uh, it really felt like Evaldi was cruising. And we'll talk about the strikeouts in a second. But this time, uh, Bobby Bradley comes up. He's able to uh, get a single to get on. Uh, he actually had two hits on the day for Bobby Bradley hitting down in the seventh spot. Um, so after working a decent at bat, he gets a cutter uh, that he hits 103.5 miles per hour for a single into right field. So a good at-bat of really laying off some stuff, uh, some curveballs that didn't come close to the plate, laying off a splitter that was down, not chasing anything, and then getting a cutter right down the pipe and doing damage with it. Uh, We will see later in this game where uh, in the ninth inning where someone got a fastball right down the pipe and couldn't do anything with it, and most major league at-bats, you're lucky to get one pitch to hit. The pitch to hit was this cutter down the middle, and Bobby Bradley shot it out in the right field for a single. Then Austin Hedges, how many times have we seen this, where you throw a guy the same pitch back-to-back in the same location, he's going to make you pay, and that's exactly what Austin Hedges does here. Avaldi starts him with a four-seam fastball, middle up, that he fouls off, uh, just above the belt, maybe at the belly button, right? Uh, Throws him another four-seam fastball. Same speed, same spin. Throws him another four-seam fastball. This one rides a little higher, and Austin Hedges lifts it 104.6 miles per hour, 387, over the green monster for a home run, for a two-run home run to tie the game. So Evaldi making mistake here to Austin Hedges, and Hedges has his moments this season. I know he's frankly a terrible hitter but he has his moments, eighth home run on the season, and this one ties the game. All right, then everything would just go to hell. Everything would absolutely go to hell in the bottom of the seventh inning. He'd start the inning off with a walk. You don't want to do that. You don't want to do that after your team just tied the game up. You don't want to start the seventh inning with a walk. Aruz would then double off the left field wall. Mercado would, Mercado thought he had a play on it, Maybe in Cleveland you have a play on it, but not the green monster. You can't let the monster fool you like that. you got to play it off the wall. And if you do, you probably hold ruse to a long single. You probably could fire that ball in a second and hold him to a long single. Chances are that that runner probably gets the third anyways. Um, but, yeah, you you really could have held him there if you play it off the wall. We've seen Red Sox outfielders do it to us. It's the Boston advantage. Their outfielders know how to play the monster. Instead, he tries to make a catch on the ball, and then it bounces off the monster, and he's got to go chase it. Uh, so they go to Trevor Steffen, and uh, Kyle Schwarber would immediately hit a double into center field, into right center field. It would bring both runs into score. So going to Trevor Steffen does not work in this situation. The first batter he faces is Schwarber, and Schwarber makes him pay. Frankly, it's a decent job of hitting by Schwarber. He was trying to stay away from him. Threw him a fastball on the outside edge that he fouls off. Throws him a changeup down in the dirt that he fou- that he swings through. So he was up 0-2 in the count on Schwarber and throws him a fastball in basically the exact same situation as the, uh, spot as the first pitch, a little bit more of the plate, and Schwarber makes him play- pay. So he could have thrown that high. He could have thrown that wide. He did not have to come into the strike zone with that pitch. And instead he does, and instead he pays. 108.7 mile per hour exit velocity on that double. So it blows the game open for the Red Sox. He would uh, strike out the next two hitters. Strikes out Devers, strikes out J.D. Martinez. They intentionally walk Verdugo to bring up the righty Hunter Renfro, and that would prove to be a mistake. He probably should have just hung in there and pitched to Verdugo. Uh, Hunter Renfro ends up going through a nine pitch at bat. It's sliders away and fastballs on the plate. And frankly, I don't know why he threw him so many fastballs on the plate. He had another pitch to waste. It was a 2-2 count for most of this at bat. But he kept throwing him fastballs at the letters, above the belt, on the plate. Throw one of those up over the top of the zone. Throw one of them on the outside edge. Stop giving him fastballs down the middle. Eventually, he'd go back to the slider, he'd foul off one that was frankly way away, that he had no business swinging at, and then the next slider, instead of getting it away, he leaves it over the plate. He leaves it on the plate, and Hunter Renfro turns on this one, only hits it 97.4 miles per hour, but it goes out to center field, and it's a big three-run home run for the Red Sox. The Indians would have to scratch back at this point. Uh, they are able to scratch across a run in the eighth and a run in the ninth and get little rallies going. It's just, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. With two outs, Bradley Zimmer would single in the eighth. Uh, Daniel Johnson would walk, move him up. Daniel Johnson pinch hitting for Oscar Mercado. And then Bobby Bradley would get a bloop single to uh, left field. It would bring in Bradley Zimmer to score. Austin Hedges would fly out to end that threat. So we had a chance. We had a chance there. And then in the ninth inning, Andres Jimenez would single to lead off the inning. Uh, after a mile-straw flyout, Ahmed Rosario would finally get on the board, you know, in the box score with a single up the middle. Jose Ramirez would shoot one down the right field line. If that's in Cleveland, that's a two-run double. But because of the dimensions of Boston, there's so many jagged, cutout things in Boston that uh, this thing bounces right to the right fielder, and it ends up going for a one-run single instead of in Cleveland, what would have been a two-run double for sure, especially with Ahmed Rosario running from first base. So, they play it safe, though, and they know they have a lot of runs to score. For Formil Reyes comes up, he's the game-tying run, strikes out bad, strikes out really bad. Just gets blown away on three pitches here and uh, swings through a f- or fouls off a sinker um, that was in, that was challenging him in. Frankly, that was his pitch to hit. That was the one. He fouls it off. Check swing foul on a sinker that was way too far inside and then chases a slider down and away, which I think we all saw coming uh, to strike out here. And then Bradley Zimmer. Would strike out to end the threat. He had a chance. Once again, the game-tying run. And this time, he chases on a 1-2 uh, a count. He chases a changeup that was down and away. Now, we said in every at-bat, there's usually one pitch to hit. and you got to take advantage of it when you get it. The first pitch in this bat was a sinker that was up and in. should never have been a call to strike. At least a good baseball or two off the plate, it gets called a strike. Then a changeup in the dirt that he lays off. So he's got a 1-1 count. He throws him. Garrett Whitlock throws him a fastball right down the pipe, just below the letters. A perfect pitch to hit one of those monster 400-foot Bradley Zimmer home runs on, and instead he swings through it. 97.5 mile per hour pitch. He swings through it. Then gets the changeup away to finish him off. So, like I said, one pitch to hit, and he blew it. And he blew it. So there you go. That was the offense for the Indians there. Um, Boston just had more in the tank than we did last night with that big five-run inning. Um, Offensively, it's Jose Ramirez really doing a ton. He was three for five on the day, including the double, including the home run. Two RBIs and a run scored. Huge offensive day for Jose Ramirez. Then the bottom of the lineup, Bobby Bradley with two hits. Two for three. He actually walked. uh, He also had a walk, so he was on base three times yesterday. Didn't strike out at all for Bobby Bradley. That's good to see. Hedges with the big home run. That would be his only hit on the day. Andres Jimenez was on base twice. Two hits for him and a run scored. So the bottom of the lineup contributing here, the top of the lineup, Not so much. Uh, Big struggles from Miles Straw at the top. Struck out three times on the day. Uh, Yeah, Ahmed Rosario finally gets a hit in the ninth inning. So yeah, it struggles at the top of the lineup. Uh, They can't connect the bottom of the lineup to Jose Ramirez to put together any big rallies. Um, Yeah, so it's a rough day at the park. Uh, Trevor Stephan has a really rough outing after he just looked good his last time out. Uh, Garza would actually give up two walks But he would uh, get out of things For Trevor Steffen Sam Henches would come in and pitch the eighth And uh, do decent He'd have a nice clean inning on 12 pitches So that's nice to see Henches getting a little bit of work there Uh, But the Red Sox bullpen Shuts things down They have trouble Believe me, they have trouble I mean, Brazier and Garrett Whitlock Who pitched the last two innings Combined to give up five hits Over those two innings But they only allow two runs to come in to score. So there is the big difference on the day. MVP for the day. Let's go with Jose Ramirez on this one. It really was. The offense ran through him yesterday with the two monster hits on the cutters. Um, the big hit in the ninth inning that again in Cleveland could have been so much more. And then for reyes behind him just could not back him up. Fermil Reyes. We got to talk. So, yeah, Jose, Jose Ramirez, definitely MVP for the day. We got to talk about Fermil Reyes here because going over to fan graphs, trying to make sense of some of these win probability numbers on fan graphs here, I'm looking to see how clutch Fermil Reyes is because it feels like, to me, he's been faltering in the big moments. Is he trying to do too much? Earlier in this game, he took a 100-mile-per-hour pitch. And he just shot it into right field for a single. A nice, easy swing. I'll use some of that. I could have used that in the ninth inning here to keep this game going. I didn't need a three-run game-tying home run. The old, I think it was the Kansas City Royals back in their, when they were challenging for the World Series, the line was, the thing was move the line. Keep the lineup moving, right? Get on base. Just do what you got to do to keep the lineup moving. And home runs will happen. Big hits will happen. Keep the line moving. I loved that attitude. And I feel like the Indians don't have that attitude right now. I feel like Fermil Reyes was trying to hit a three-run home run to tie the game. And he keeps failing in these big moments. Now they do have, on fan graphs, they have a stat that's called clutch. It's not so much a measure of how well you do in high leverage situations as it is a measure of How you do in high leverage situations versus normal leverage situations. So it's more a reflection. It's more a reflection of yourself. Um, But either way, uh, he has been in negative numbers for his clutch stat on uh, fan graphs for the last three seasons. And this is his worst. He's at negative 1.64. Now, the way they say this stat is... um, is that like if you're at two, you're elite. If you're at one, you're really good. If you're zero, you're average. If you're at negative one, you're pretty poor. At negative two, you're really bad. Uh, so yeah, negative 1.64 says that on when the game is on the line in high leverage situations, he does a lot worse than he does in any normal situation in the game. That's kind of what this stat is saying. So yeah, so uh, I mean, it's from a guy who's supposed to be our cleanup hitter, from supposed to be our big bopper, we can't really rely on him right now in these huge moments. and that's kind of a problem. That is kind of, I mean honestly, with those road and home splits, I, I don't know, I, I don't know if you could do something like this, but do you hit the guy fifth or sixth on the road and then move him back into the cleanup spot at home right now? I don't know, you, you would crush a guy's confidence if you did that. You have to believe that Vermeule is going to figure out how to hit on the road. Um, it's it's just got to click one of these seasons. So they very much say that this is not a stat that you can use to predict the future because, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen in these clutch situations, right? It's always a roll of the dice. It's always a coin flip. It's There's nothing that predicts the future here. Um, there are some stats that can predict the future. If, Especially like if a, a pitcher's velocity or spin on a ball is changing over time or something like that. There are there are some stats that can predict the future. If a guy can't catch up to fastballs anymore and he, he just keeps hitting everything to the opposite field, he's not pulling the ball like he used to. There are some things that can predict the future, but this is not one of them. This just shows you what he's done in the past. Uh, the next step back can completely change this. So... I don't know. It's the best stat I could find on fan to really measure what he's doing in, in these high leverage situations. So, there you go. That's my thoughts on Fermil Reyes, who had a chance to be a hero last night, had a chance with two runners on in that ninth inning, just could not deliver a big hit, and neither could Bradley Zimmer, for that matter. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, It's a rough one. We had a chance to, frankly, we had a chance to climb into the wild card a little bit here, and we kind of blew it. Um, I mean, if we win this game, if we win this game, we're six and a half back in the wild card, which actually would look okay. Right now, we're at eight and a half back in the wild card. Does not look as fun. So it's still a giant, giant mountain to climb. Probably won't get there with Toronto, Seattle, and Oakland ahead of us chasing Boston for the second wildcard spot. But at least they're still playing hard. At least they're still fighting out there. We should be getting Savali back. He should make his next start in the major leagues, they said. So uh, look for him to start maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday, something like that. Um, That's to kick off the series with, I believe, the Minnesota Twins Back in Cleveland, yes. Uh, Coming in for a four-game set against Minnesota in Cleveland. And back to those 6-10 starts because, hey, it's getting a little chilly in Cleveland. So they're starting those games a little early while the sun is still up. Uh, So 6-10 starts for some of those home games. Um, So, yeah. So tomorrow, tomorrow the Indians have, that's a 4-10 start. They got Eli Morgan on the mound against Houck. Remember, Houck had that no-hitter going against us for a while before we finally blew it open. So that's the matchup you got going tomorrow. Um, For me, I actually have to go back on the road, and I am not going to be in a situation where I'll have my uh, backup mic or anything like that on my computer. I'm still going to try to do some quick episodes while I'm on the road, but these are like recording into my cell phone kind of episodes. So They're going to be a little rough. They're going to be a little gritty. But I'll still try to be there to talk a little baseball. You know me. Even if I'm traveling, I'm still going to keep an eye on the game. I'm still going to watch the highlights before I go to bed or something like that. So I'll keep my eye on the game. I'll be here to talk baseball with you because, God forbid, local radio will talk uh, Cleveland Indians with you. You know what they were talking the other day? They finally brought up the Indians, and they started playing the schedule game to figure out how many wins the Indians could squeak out of September. I'm like, what are you What are you doing? Like stop just guessing at things. There's so much to actually talk about and you're just guessing what's going to happen in September. That's the amount of baseball talk that you can muster on local radio. So that sucks, but that's what we're here for. That's what Cleveland baseball mornings is here for to talk some real baseball with you. So hopefully the Indians can turn it around against the Red Sox. There's still a chance to win this series. Uh, yeah, they just couldn't. You know, they've been coming back. They came back against Kansas City a few times. They've been starting their scoring late in the game, and they just didn't have enough here to take out uh, to take out the Boston Red Sox. Um, Boston Red Sox, frankly, gave them a little taste of their own medicine with five runs in that seventh inning. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Remember, for show merch, visit Baseball clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com. For premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more, for men, women, kids, show off your pride for Cleveland baseball. Help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. The link is in the show notes, and it's my pinned tweet on Twitter, at DaveyParris. All right, again, the final from Boston. It's the Red Sox 8, the Indians 5. We'll be back tomorrow on the road, but we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Eli Morgan. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.